Hello, we uh, correction before we kick off. We said that this is episode eight of the series, when in fact it's episode nine. So just thanks very much for listening uh, and enjoy the episode. Nosotros queremos construir el socialismo. Nos hemos declarado partidarios de los que luchan por la paz. Nos hemos declarado dentro del grupo de países no alineados, a pesar de ser marxistas leninistas, porque los no alineados como nosotros luchan contra el imperialismo. Queremos paz. Good evening. There we are. That was a big exhale. It was. Just How because it was uh, technical difficulties there. Eh? Technical difficulties there. Eh? I think that's why I'm going to put it when your pal goes posted missing for two weeks. But I better introduce myself first before I start on this tirade um, against you, your character and your background. Um, my name's Jamie. My name is Robert. And uh, you may have been wondering where we've been for the past few weeks. Uh, maybe it's I, maybe it's not. I'd love, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. I'd love to see that the listener uh, numbers reflect that. Well, I think we've we've hit over a hundred now, um, whether that be in total or uh, <laughs> in a single episode, no, we won't specify. No, no. Um, but no wonder we've not got much of a listenership when we've got um, what can we say unreliable hosts or should I say uh, host? No. Don't give me that pish. Where have you been for the past couple of weeks, Robert? Can you tell people? Uh, well, I was moving house, moving for house. one of the weeks, and then I can't even remember why we didn't do it the week before. Was I on call? I was on call. You were, on call. you were also moving Mate. last week. You didn't uh, move this week, you moved last week. Well, it's Thursday, isn't it? So, so I'd like to announce right now that we're moving to a Tuesday um, from now on. Oh, is that um, that well, That's nice to know. That's a hopeful statement, Mel, and anything else, because who knows what's going to happen when Robert's involved. Look, mate, it's the unpredictable nature of both my job and my life. So, if you compare yourself to well enough by now. If you were to compare yourself to a football player, what one would you compare yourself with? Because I'm thinking straight away, Adele Tarrapt. That's the last two I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant in spells, but then has got a real tendency to go off the rails for Absolutely. seasons at a time. <laughs> I just <laughs> come up my nightclub in Casablanca. <laughs> um, if I was a football player, what one would I be? Uh, Maradona. <laughs> you're just saying that because I've been slaughtering you for the past hour since. No, no, since, I'm, uh, t- I'm telling you the new because you're all business when it matters, but behind closed doors, you're after rails, mate. I drink the Fortnite. And after that as well, I'm a bit concerned if my mum was still listening to this, you're insinuating that I've got a penchant for classy drugs, which is absolutely, absolutely not the false. case. Absolutely no. not the case. Yeah, um, mum, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are. Um, aye, uh, well, it's been a it's been a long couple of weeks without you. Thanks, mate. Um, but uh, we're here now. We're, we're, ready, we're ready. We're ready to roll on. And uh, I hope that you've used that time to come up with a question that might actually I might not know the Stumpy. answer. To. Um, we'll see. I think you've secretly get access to my notes, by the way. Your notes? Some sort some sort of uh, iCloud hack music. I'm saying, I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. I'm not access to your notes. I and but if anybody that's oh, if anybody that's listening, I wouldn't suggest googling iCloud hack um, anytime soon because it's dating a private window anyway. If you're a good Catholic, I wouldn't need it. No, no, no. I'm saying. 
The professional hospital patient who was blighted by a career in football, none other than Dirk Berichter, scored his one and only Celtic goal against Ross County. False. Yeah, get it right up there. Who was it? (laughs) Aberdeen. At home? Uh, Yeah. On his debut? Aye, it was, you're right. It was on his debut. Um, I thought it was, I could swear it was Ross County, mate. So much so that I'm actually, I'm actually Googling that right now. Charge on, mate. I'm not having it. Debut Celtic 2 Ross County 1. Okay. Right. So then So you're telling me he didn't score. He didn't really. He was taking off with an ankle injury before the first half. <laughs> There's a surprise. Mm. He came out and blamed Lenny for that. Aye, because Lenny came the out the bench. And, remember he done him. Lenny, Lenny came out the bench he and said, tackled him. He Got said him. uh he said that um, the system didn't suit him. Right, that's what it was. Do you know what system we played? We played a 4 4 2, mate. <laughs> well, that's coached out a Dutch kids at five year old, so. I remember he, I'm just kind of looking just now, the quote. But the manager's asked me if I can eventually play on the left side of midfield in a Gareth Bale type role. But I think, uh, I, think the, I think the Gareth Bale he's talking about is the young Gareth Bale who was perpetually injured. Aye, that's the, he took more of his career cues off that. Gareth Bale than the one that's, you know, dragged Wales to a European what, quarter or semi-final I mean, and then God, maybe like, he meant two Champions Bale that's just Maybe he meant this Gareth Bale that's just sitting in the touchline taking a paycheck. Just one that's mere a professional golfer now, probably. Uh, Closer to being a professional golfer. Well, well done. That was, uh, that was good. Vindicated. That seven episodes, uh, eight, this is episode eight, so... Uh, you done well, mate. That was a good question as well. Thank right. you for that one. Thanks, thanks, mate. See you next um, week. I'll see you next week, guy. Yeah. Um, should we should we touch on the news? Uh, aye, why not? Another news. There's, there has Where's been, you, uh, but I've been. Uh, I've only quickly glanced at stuff from this week because I don't really want to delve too far back. Um, okay, well, seeing as you were posted last week, I think we should maybe discuss some of the um, some of the stuff that that. That kind of took place into last week because the big man Fraser Forster, like the biggest news I think of the past couple of days uh, or the past couple of weeks. Um, so rumours started circulating on sort of platforms and social media accounts that generally in the past have been quite accurate um, on stuff, which is a you know a sort of statement because these things can happen when you get things wrong. But they're generally the, the accounts that you 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 would associate with getting things more right than wrong. They all started coming out with the same line, and the same line was that the kind of deal was agreed between Celtic and Southampton, and that the player was welcome to return, but that the player had gone quiet. And I thought that for me it was quite clear that the club must have leaked that because the fans are obviously clamouring for the big man to come back. Um, and then Lenny confirmed that a couple of days ago in an interview with Sky Sports News that Fraser Foster's been kind of posted missing. Now, rumour is that he's had a conversation with the Southampton manager and that he's been assured he's going to have the chance to compete for um, the, the number one position mm-hmm. um, at Southampton. Uh, but that would be pretty disappointing if he doesn't come back up the road, Rabbit. I've watched the last... Well, I watched the Man City and Southampton game, which was basically goalkeeping practice. 
and the big man that they've got between the sticks is no bad. He looks like a decent, decent shot stopper. Um, and then this afternoon, or this evening as well, I watched the first maybe 20 minutes, half hour of the Everton game, the Everton uh, Southampton game. Again, and he made another right smart stop in that. So I don't think it will be as easy as Big Foster thinks. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I think people are just jumping on it a bit too early. Like, just relax. Like, we don't actually fully know what else is going on behind closed doors. His agent is probably playing the fly one as well and try to sell his ticket to another couple of teams down south. That's to be understood. That's fair enough. Like Foster's what thirty two? Aye, thirty two. He's he's got one big contract left in him. To be honest, so you can't blame his agent for doing that. But you would like to think they would show a bit of a uh, bit of loyalty to the club that's not once but now twice. Basically, built his career, man. Like. He was. He wouldn't be anywhere near Southampton without us, and now he wouldn't be anywhere near sniffing around any other clubs if it wasn't for us again. So it's just, I don't know. I think over the next week or so it will be interesting if we don't if we hear anything else. I've got a feeling he's going to end up here. I think you're all as well. I think I think whatever whatever happens in the next couple of weeks, um, largely will be inconsequential, and I've got a feeling he's going to end up coming up the road. So. Um, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. I mean, it, listen, it could be something as daft as the fact that he just he's just taking a breather. You know, he's he's just literally touched back down in Southampton in the past couple of weeks. He was training with Celtic until the first of July, I think it was, wasn't Aye, it? That's right. Um, so, so he's you know he's no been down there for for too long, um, and I just wonder if he's maybe taking a minute to just chill out, smell the roses, see what it's like down in Southampton. Whether or not the manager down there is going to give him an opportunity, and then. If he makes a decision in a couple of weeks, then he's back up the road. But it would be pretty disappointing to start after campaign for the 10, no getting him back. Because when we were sitting here a couple of months ago having this conversation, I was thinking to myself that we'd have a better chance of getting Foster back than we would have done El Unice. And it's it's worked out a bit weird because we've ended up with Moy, or however you say that, uh, mm-hmm. chips, cheese, and uh, <laughs> chips and cheese, we just call them. Um, We've ended up with him back up the road, but Foster kind of dragging his heels a wee bit. So, yeah, a bit of a disappointing start to the, the 10 in a row campaign if if a big man knocked his back, you know? The only other thing that I can maybe think of is that there's an English club, that are, an English club sorry, that are willing to purchase him outright. Can they see it making you? No, but that's the only other, you know, thing that I can think of. Because I don't think we would buy, we would pay any more than four or five million for him, to be honest. Five at a pure, a very big push. Because I think this is a it doesn't fit. Uh, it will be because and he'll maybe be looking for four year, three year deal. That's just fine. Fine, fine with that. But see, like, why does he not just see the loan out and then come on a Bosman? Because he's got two years left in his deal. Well, play the year out then. Doesn't matter. I just doesn't I, make sense. There is something, else, there's there's something else that's missing. But for all us, that's all I'm saying. There's something missing that doesn't well, make sense. Stuff we don't know. Um, okay, uh, just another piece of news. Did you see that the first football club in the world to have their uh, first font was created today? No, go on then. That sentence didn't make any sense. Um, basically, Rangers came out today and declared themselves the first football club in the world to have their own unique typographic <laughs> font. Comic Sans. It's already taken it. <laughs> <laughs> Smashing them down everywhere. Um, can you can you tell me a piece of news then? Uh, we were looking at thirty thousand back in the stadium for August. Apparently, I cannot see that in the slightest. Me either. But that's what was mooted uh, a few days ago. 
going on maybe last week. But um, thirty thousand is those seats are only what a foot wide at the most, and that would mean that you would need two between every. So you're down to twenty thousand for the maximum. Did you say a foot wide? Yeah, roughly about a foot wide. Eh? The seats. You think these seats are a foot wide? Right, roughly. <laughs> foot and a half tops. Right. Okay. You think that these seats are thirty centimeters wide? I don't know, mate. Hold on. I'll just get. I'll look at the back of my chair now. I don't know. I'll make my ruler. <laughs> Hold on. Right. I've got my ruler. Well, the chair that I'm sitting on now is about sixty. Exactly. So no, no sixty. Sorry, about fifty. Hold on. It's no two full rules anyway. They're about fifty to sixty centimeters. I mean. Uh, uh, that's 50. You think, mate, 50. if these seats were a fit wide, we'd have a, a 75,000 seat. <laughs> well, anyway, it, the mask doesn't, doesn't work about maintaining your six feet difference, distance. So mm. that's absolutely fanciful. I don't know who's coming up with that. I mean, if you kind of get out and about for your messages without one in, one out, then you're not getting in at the fucking. Like well, that, exactly. I mean. Just as I, I feel like I've got, um, I feel like I've got inside news here because as as you know, Rab, I'm a supporter of Yokohama F Marinos who are in, who are in Japan, and, and they're actually having people back in the stadium this weekend, um, for the home game against FC Tokyo, which is this Saturday morning at eleven a.m. Um, they are, they're having, I think it's six thousand or or something, or maybe maybe it's twelve thousand. Uh, it's it's certainly. The stadium they play in is in the Sand Stadium that won for the World Cup 2002 final. And uh, it's a uh, 72,000 seater. It's massive. So they can kind of get away with it. Not that some of the Celtic and it would be a massive stadium. and It's kind of similar to Murrayfield, I guess, and it would be a, it'd be a running track than it would be at Celtic Park just with the scale of it. But they're, they're going to do it. Um, they're, it's one person per five seats, I think it is. So you've got basically a five or six seats around you. And then that's your wee bubble. And then someday it'll be three, four seats along for you and they'll have their own seat and then they'll have three, four seats along for them and the row behind you will be empty entirely. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of really spacing out. You're nay bevy, which is rare because you're there, usually you can buy food and, and bevy in the game. Nay bevy. And uh, what they're doing as well is they're taking temperature checks uh, if you go into the stadium and if you leave and go back in, you're getting temperature checked as well. Mm-hmm. So they're quite, um, quite kind of... They don't do anything like that here. I'm telling you that now, they don't do anything like that. I agree with you, mate. I, I, you know, I spoke to you before about the queuing system outside Japanese football games, which is bananas at our time. But, but you know, the fact that you can maintain that sort of order um, without the requirement for any stewarding or police tells you something that you know we yeah, can agree here. But I can tell you right now, and I'll, I'll just be honest with you: if Celtic Park opened up tomorrow and said three thousand people are getting in every game, and you just rotate it over twenty games. You bet your bottom dollar if I'm going to that game, I'm getting on the cans first and I'm making a day. Do you know what I mean? Aye. And uh, you know, I've never been, never been to Celtic Park since the Copenhagen game, I don't think. So, you know, it's been a while and probably about as long as it's ever been. And uh, I think uh, I think if I was getting the chance to go back, I would definitely want to make a day and enjoy it. And, definitely. You know, definitely. Do what I could. So, so no, I think I think we're a long way away for that yet. Yeah, certainly 30,000 might, you know, be overshooting it with the mate days, like at ten thousand or fifteen thousand, and just have families in, you know, stuff like that. Aye. Um, but I don't know, mate. They, you know, they're going to need to just play it by the aren't they? Definitely. I got an email the day saying that they're going to let you know about the uh, your pass as well, your paradise pass, whatever they're calling it. 
for steaming, steaming the games. Oh, right, okay. So next couple of days, um, keep your eyes peeled on your emails. I never got that email. That must have been. It was a thank you. Must be on Lowell's. Uh, it was a, a thank you for um, renewing. I had it on the bottom. Uh, you renewed? I just didn't get that email. I need to have a wee chat with Peter, mate. I get him on the phone, mate. We'll get him on next week and we'll ask him. We'll, we'll, we'll see what's happening. Um, okay, any other news for us? Nah, I was just uh, uh, I was just going to ask you, having watched La Liga and the and the Premiership and everything, do you think we could have finished up behind closed doors? Yes. Me too. The only problem is, mate, I don't think we've got the finances today what they're doing because they're testing, you know, two or three, days, two, two or three times a week, I think. Um so I don't know. I don't know. Would that cost what we've had to give back to Sky and or BT or whoever it was and lost TV money? No, I wouldn't. But I just don't think we'll be paying that back in any. It's it's going back of... over two years or three years. Hmm. The league are paying it back. Or aye, right. us. We're all paying it. Back. You're probably right, mate. I mean, but you know, I just. I just kind of feel like the English Premier League is in a different stratosphere than it. Oh, in big thing. Playoff. Those games on Amazon go out worldwide. Like, <laughs> but the playoffs as well, you know, the, the championship, the thing where, like, you know, they kind of need to do that. Our league was largely, certainly at the top end, it was largely done. Um, and I just don't know if we'd have had the infrastructure. And plus, bear in mind as well, with the benefit of hindsight, it's easy to look at the fact that the Premier League came back, yeah, games came back three weeks ago or four weeks ago, whatever it was, and say, we should have done that. But at the time, we were more worried about, you know, whether or not Patrick Fisher and Hearts were going to get relegated than we were getting played. You know what I mean? I'd have loved to have played the games out personally. Like, and we did speak about this a few weeks ago. But can you imagine if we played the games out and then one player tested positive for COVID? Well, in a league of size, mate, it would have been terminal. It would have, it would have been cutless for us for potentially even longer than we are at the uh, than it has been since since March. I don't think it would have been that bad. I just, I don't think we've got the scale. See down south, man. They can, they can. Like, you seen it when Liverpool won the league? What did they do? They all went to a hotel, or was it somebody's house or something like that? Can you imagine? You know the the, the the steps that they're taking to maintain that bubble that their players are in. You know that the the advice they're getting, the, the food they'll be getting sorted for them, all that stuff. Could you imagine Hamilton Aki's trying to do that? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean, mate? Like it's just it's it's just not feasible. Um, and at the lower league level, the the Championship, League One, League Two, that sort of stuff, it's actually been so. Um, it's been so kind of like small scale the games that have been played there's only like three or four games or something like that that they uh, they can get away with it you know what I mean just six teams involved basically yeah. so I don't know man I just think we would have been we would have struggled I think and as I say it's different doing there because they can just really throw money at the problem um, but we can fair enough Anyway, um, there's one more thing I'd like to, to touch on. Oh, couple. Right, um, it's, just, it's a tweet that I sent from my, my Twitter account on the 31st of May in 2019. Nostradamus here. Four days after Neil Lennon was confirmed as a Celtic manager. Um, it's a quote retweet. And uh, what I wrote was, outstanding Celtic, get the fucking trikers back on the trackies as well. <laughs> and do you know what's happened, Rab? <laughs> Mate, I'm telling you now, Adidas looked at the a mass um I all the social media the, the demands basically from all of the Celtic fans and I'm, I believe as well firmly that the poll that we all did the 
knockout, the round robin knockout with all the strips, that was Adidas were definitely watching that. No, watching all the comments as well. Because the gear is class and it's everything that everybody wanted. Yeah, that is it's ideal and it's definitely got the tricolor back on the trackies as well. It's um it's and the braided embroidered badges, the hoops on yep. the sho- the sorry, the stripes, three stripes just on the shoulders and no running all the way down. And the round neck, wee bit of gold in there. And then the trackies, man. Oof. Unbelievable, mate. Yep. It's good stuff. Did um, you buy? Did you pre-order any? No, I'll I'll bide my time. Uh, I'll wait and see. I'm a wee bit unsure about that yellow colour. I'd have liked it if it was just straight up orange. Um, but that kind of like light yellowy, orangey kind of colour they've got on one of the sleeves. I think I'll hang fire and see that first before I make a decision on what I'm going to do. Um, but I will be getting it. Don't worry. I will be procuring large quantities of uh, Adidas tracks uh, next year. I've got a jacket coming. Black, the black tracky. Well done, man. Cool. Anything else? Uh, no, not from me at the moment. Okay. I've got a piece of, kind of, piece of semi um, breaking news if you're interested. It's not really Celtic related um, as such, but Big Sam Cosgrove, did you see the name of the news about him tonight? Aye. What, two, two and a half ex- million? Aberdeen have accepted a €3 million Euro offer million for Sam Cosgrove from French club Guillaume, which is uh, ironic because he has a big donkey. A big Guillaume. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm not sure how that one came about, but he's knocked it back apparently. Um, the club have accepted the offer and he's been the one that's turned around and said thanks but no thanks, um, which, is a, which is a weird one. But good luck to the big man. Right. I hope he stays in the Ruined Rangers this season. I well, I was kind of not worried. That's not the right word, but I would have, I would have pegged him to be a, a bit of Rangers signing. So they couldn't afford him anyway. But going by that, so no, they couldn't afford him. Did you see the? Did you actually see the wording of the the tweet that the BBC put out about that? <laughs> no, I didn't see. <laughs> Sam Cosgrove has turned a move to French side Guinant after Aberdeen accepted a bid of over two million for the striker. What <laughs> has turned a move to French side? Oh, sack the intern, man. Sack the intern, indeed. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's go on to the let's move on. Just just if I can do my one more thing, uh, congratulations to my big pal Eric Sviatchenko. Big Eric, what's up to FC Mitchelland uh, won the league tonight. Oh. They beat FC Copenhagen 3 1 at home. Serial winner, mate. Um, I was at the return fixture of this game uh, in September last year at the uh, big stadium that Copenhagen have got that I can't remember the name of Terra Stadium or something. I can't remember the name of it. Um, terrific big stadium, uh, terrific team at Mitchelland, and the big man is captaining them well. He's, he's doing some job with them. So, Class. well done, a big man. What a big man. So, so we, we're moving on to now. Uh, you want to take Candy Corner and then we'll do our top five and then banter yours after round off. Okay, let's do that. Aye. Um, Candy Corner should be uh, quite quick again this week. Uh, first few announcements of signings were made. Now, this was a couple of weeks ago, so I don't think I've uh, mentioned it on this, but we've signed uh, Hal Baum, who played for, for Canby Rangers. Um, we've signed uh, a young guy, McKinnon, who previously played for Motherwell um, a couple of years ago. 
Um, we've signed a couple of local boys, Jason Elliott and uh, uh, Matthew Robertson. And uh, finally, we've signed Jamie Longworth, who is an Annan in Queen's Park legend. What? So he's came up to a really good level. Uh, he's played professional most of his career. He's only 32, I think, so he's coming to the rock at the right time. What an age. Um, we have we've raised a fortune through the Donated Ticket campaign and round two went live tonight at 8pm. Um, so just check out this Rock's Twitter account if you're interested in that. And uh, we're supporting some of our supporters who have decided that they want to build a memorial garden in James McGurry Park. Um, one of the guys had recently decided to, to mark the anniversary of his mother's death by cycling um, from Fort William to Glasgow in order to raise money for Rock Talk, which is the club's mental health support group that runs every Sunday morning, uh, to allow the guys maybe get a wee trip away somewhere or something like that. Um, instead, what the idea was put forward to do, instead of, of raising the money for Rock Talk, was to put it towards a, a memorial garden uh, to be built in the in the park itself, which not just him, but, but any supporters who maybe have lost loved ones who have got an association with the club, or just for any of the folk that have run the club over the years, and you know, somewhere just a space where people can go and and, uh, and, and have a, a you know a chance to reflect and, and, and think about things and. I think one of the things for me that I've learned over the past couple of months in my dealings with St Rocks is um, about how much people are affected by grief. And, and you know, and, and something through Rock Talk that I learn about quite a lot when I listen to the guys um, talk at the mental, excuse me, talk about the mental health group is quite often a lot of the, the sort of negative feelings that they, they feel and the, and the poor mental health can stem for grief and, and for losing people in, in their life. So I think things like this are always beneficial and helpful. And as I say, it's good that the supporters are doing this after they back. You know, really, apart from giving them support on social media, there's no financial backing from the club, you know, and the guys are quite happy with that. So, worthwhile project, and I'm happy to be able to support them. And I'll go up tomorrow night and meet them at the clubhouse in a socially responsible and socially distanced manner and then uh, see what we can do to help them. Excellent. Oh, that's good. Try. Everton's gravy and candy corner. Nice one. Oh, by the way, we're actually expecting this, this baby news to use well, and I guess it could in one with another influence the kind of professional game. Uh, juniors are back on the 5th of October. Oof. Training, they're allowed to train for the first week in September, I think it is, or the last week in August. And uh, this current schedule is that they're going to be back the first week in October. October, eh? That's, so that's not bad. That's sooner than I thought it was going to be, so I'll take that. Aye, good. I was kind of worried it would be sitting in January next year or something like that. So, uh, pitches like a million dollars. There's not been a ball kicked in the pitch at the rock part since January. So, uh, Big Ken's done a great job. I'm buzzing. Brilliant. It's a bowling green, mate. Nice one. Right. right shall so, we? top five. So, um, this was a recommendation, wasn't it? Uh, maybe. Partially. Uh, it was a recommendation uh, from a friend, uh, Castori Troy. Is it Castor or Cas- uh, it's, it's in the Tory, Sorry, it's the it's in the fashion brand. You know the premium fashion fashion brand, right? That you can purchase uh, next to Lonsdale Sports Direct. One of your uh, regular listeners is always kind of forthcoming with his, with his uh, praise and his feedback, and we always welcome that. At the end of the listens, um, so I would. We'd actually been speaking about this for a while, and then he recommended this a couple of weeks ago. And obviously, it's a pity that Rab went posted missing for a few uh, weeks. There. I needed time to make sure this was airtight. So. But but we've got we've got a recommendation. This could be we've got our final final five. Now I'm going to, I'm not going to like you. I've only got four of these at the minute because I found this really hard to do. Um, um, but I've got a feeling right. that I've got a feeling that I know who I'm going to go with. Um, I just need I just need to 
to kind of make a decision after you speak a couple of times. So my top four are nailed on. I know exactly who they are, what they're doing, uh, and, and where they're going. Right. But um, my last one, I think I'm, I'm, I'm tussling between two at the minute, so we'll, we'll get there. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our top five underrated players. Aye. So again, this is open to interpretation. So is, whatever you, I just I've taken it as they just they didn't really get the love that they deserved. Like literally, just mm-hmm. as simple as that. I thought they were good players. They'd done a good job, and they kind of flew under the radar. Maybe they were mm-hmm. a bit overshadowed by more uh, fancy players running about them, or more frequent goal scorers, or whatever. But I just I I've just picked ones that I don't think we knew what we had either until we we're gone as well. That was, mm. that was my criteria. You want me to go first or you want to go first? You press on, mate, as always. I don't know, close my door. Right, so the first one I've got is a defender, a right back mm-hmm. from 2008 to 2011. It's Marky Mark Wilson. No, false. A bit more continental <laughs> than that. Is it Jean Joel Perrier? It's not a bit better player than that. He was 2007. He was uh, signed from Sevilla for just under two million. A right back? Mm hmm. Played about 100 games for us. He has. Give it my head. He has 20. You'll get it after this. He has 21 Germany caps. Oh, Andy Stinkle. Andy Hinkle. Did you think Andy Hinkle was underrated? Aye. Aye. I just. I I think he was just one of those guys that. Just plodded on, and right backs are um, unless you're frightening and dishing in with assists and stuff like that. I think they kind of go under the radar a wee bit. And I just thought Andy Hinkle was quite really reliable for the hundred or so games that he played for us because he would never, so, never really go down as like a brilliant player. But I mean, 21 caps for Germany between 2003 and eight ish that's mm-hmm. good going, man. It certainly was. I he wasn't a bad player. They certainly had good pedigree. In fact, he'd signed for Sevilla at the time when they were winning UEFA <laughs> Cup um, exactly. relatively frequently. Um, I didn't think he was a bad player at all. But certainly, I mean, I guess this is where it's open to interpretation. I didn't think that he was underrated. I generally thought he was quite highly rated. Um, uh, Celtic supporters. Well, I reckon if you asked, if you straw poll the handful of Celtic fans and went name your top four. Right backs, maybe five. Celtic fans. I don't know if they'd put him up. To be fair, mate, I couldn't guess who he was. You know, for, for exactly. the first, you know, few minutes. I, I, when you say 2018-11, my head went to Mark Wilson Aye. because he's the right back that I would think. Yep. You know, after a my after McNamara, after a guy after Telford, I would think he Wilson before I would think a, a Hinkle. But you know, you're right. Hinkle Hinkle was a good player for us, um, and. I guess if he's was, underrated then he feel quite bad for him as well because he was um, his Celtic career was somewhat cut short he had a terrible cruise and he never really got back done his cruise in um, and then he, he went to Freiburg and he only played seven games for them and then he chucked it and he was only 29 is he not a manager now or a coach now? he's a coach with oh, somewhere in oh, it's one of the Moscow's oh really? is he in Russia? I think it's one of the Moscow's I'm going to Google now but I'm I mean, good if you've done your research. Um, Two weeks after you, you come back with us. I'm telling you, uh, close to the edge. He's assistant manager of Spartak Moscow. Get around you. Spartak Moscow. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's a good start. I'm having that. Right. 
Oh, do you remember the speaking of Moscow? Tip bit about Andy Hinkle cleared two off the line in that Dynamo Moscow game. Uh, the two 0 game away. Aye, that game. Big man was. He was frightened. Yeah, that was yeah, his yeah. Best game. It was, I'm surprised he was only away for three years. Aye. I feel like he was there longer than me that I think about. I think he done well. We got a hundred odd games out of us, even though he'd done his knee in. So it's not bad. No, he wasn't a bad. He certainly wasn't a bad player at all. Yeah. As you say, he was reliable. I think he, he lacked a bit of pace, didn't he? Aye, um, he he's one of those guys that always played the game in front of him. You know what I mean? He wasn't. He, he knew Aye. he didn't have the pace. So. Aye. Yeah. A good pro, I'll take that. Okay, um, Tommy Johnson. Ah, I love Tommy Johnson, man. Aye, uh, I'm having I'm having Tommy Johnson um, for, for my first underrated player. Um, I think Tommy Johnson was quite unlucky in the way his Celtic career kind of panned out because if you think about it, training for Celtic four months before him at Larson. <laughs> I know, right away. Probably is near the. You know, it probably isn't the easiest way to to do things. Um, he wasn't a bad player. I don't think he was a decent enough striker. Um, but again, he was kind of injured Aye, <laughs> all the time. A bit like Dirk Barrichter. Um, scored a goal that won the Premier League in two thousand and one. I think it was done the treble that year in mm-hmm. the first season. Um, he also, again, was mostly a squad player. But when you think about the guys that he played with. When he's joined, Celtic have been pushing for to, to stop the time, and it's been Larson and Brat back, um, for, for for the most part, um, and it's been you know big weak Larson behind him, and goals are coming from all angles, um, I don't think he was you know really getting much time out there and about there, um, but I don't think he was a bad player at all, and when I look back on it, you know, he, that being said, he did spend a few quid on him, two million to two point five million or something. Aye, nineteen ninety seven, ninety six, we're about in. Seven. He was signed on my birthday. <laughs> was he? Aye. The 27th of March. I just, uh, I think he's a guy that could have maybe, could have maybe got many a chance. You know, he's obviously punted out on loan for a season as well. And um, I knew, I I think, was okay with him. You know, I think I knew just sort of seen out his contract and let him go. But, you know, again, he's a guy that he joined as, you know, when we had a couple of decent strikers and then. You know, John Barnes. He goes on. He goes on loan for that season, and Larson breaks his leg. You know, and then, uh, and then all of a sudden, Neil comes in, and we're signing Hearts and Larson. Yeah. You know, Sutton, yeah. like you know these sorts of guys. Man. So it's no. It, it was in our case, but no. but uh, I I don't think he was the the worst. Then again, I think he historically would be looked back at maybe a wee bit of a sort of joke figure or if not a joke figure than a guy that just was a bit of a dud but I don't really think he was I think he was, I think he was one and two roughly for us was he not? He was but I don't think he only played about 25 games or something didn't he? Mm-hmm. I will. But I'm kind of getting this choice now you know that? I, I would think it's even I was when I, I remember running about because I'm uh, red of hell I used to you know you're like who you're going to go the day when you're playing football at the back garden like, I'm going to go with Tommy Johnson because he's slightly ginger hell. Do you ever think about Colin Henry instead? Colin Henry? He's blonde, mate. Nah, he's the strawberry blonde. Is he fuck? <laughs> uh, I'm kind of regretting that choice because the mayor started speaking about it there. I was thinking to myself, his record was actually a bit pish. But I think that <laughs> I think the point I'm trying to get across could have been is better. I think, I think he could have done something for us. I just didn't get much of a chance. Anyway. Anywho. Anywho. I... My second choice is 
you're probably going to say that he isn't overrated or underrated again, but I think he's, he falls into the category of we don't really know what we had until he, until he left. Oh, and I know what his name is already. Go on then. Uh, is it Ki Sung Young? No. Oh. Uh, you're close, but by the way, Ki. Hit a post. Aye. It's uh, Joe Ledley. I'm not having that. I don't you're think... like. <laughs> no, do, you know, I... do you want me to send you the dictionary definition of... <laughs> Underrated, and I'll do mine, and you can go back to me in 10 minutes because I think you've got the wrong words here, mate. But there was no, I don't remember any sort of furore when he left, just yeah, that's because he was doing stuff off the park. <laughs> but there was still no massive kick up about it, and he was an absolute player, mate. He was, unbelievable. he was an unbelievable player. But I think if you went to any Celtic, any Celtic fan and said to them, Name me your team of the decade. He's getting into that team. Like, you know, if we're playing three in midfield, he's in there. It's him one yeah, man brown. You know what I mean? Like it's I, I don't know. I can see what you mean in terms of the overall maybe football as a game. Joe Ledley's underrated. But uh, I'm not well, Joe Ledley was underrated by Celtic fans. I don't know. I think just because he he it wasn't like I don't know. Smashing worldies in every week, and he wasn't dom. Well, he was dominating games, but he was doing it quietly and going about it, just calm, just a calm, cool head in the middle of the park with a wild range of passing. Man, it's, I just don't think we've had many like him. To be honest, he is the other example. He was very close. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, that was right. Okay, that's obviously a spoiler. But uh, I, I would, I just think when Joe Ledley left, it was just a bit like, all right, and we were missing in the middle of we were missing him in the middle of the park for a couple of seasons after that. We were, and we didn't really replace him until McGregor came through. Didn't Definitely we? did not. Um, and there was, was no, I don't really feel there was much of an effort to fucking replace him either. Do you know that? There was a handful of men's signings, but they were all gambles. When what season did he leave? Two thousand fourteen. Aye. So who would we assign to replace him? Um, who played for him? Uh, no, he played the same team. Uh, was Landry and Guemo after that? Landry and Guemo. I'm still asking you questions. I don't know, mate. I'm seeing um, him in the Bumblebee strip, so that was that was well before. Um, I we I think that was the summer that we went out and brought in your or the year we went out and brought in the Stuart Armstrongs of the world. Um, but I don't think we ever went out and signed a midfielder directly to replace him. He's scrolling away there. I know, I'm trying to find who it was. Well, don't you, do you know what? Next time we'll take a four week break. <laughs> you can do your homework, you know what I mean? All right, mate. Uh, I don't think it's a bad shout. Um, Joe Ledley, I think, as I say, he's one of the guys that's so. Uh... I just find it really weird that he couldn't get a club that, like last year either. I well, do you know what? I'm going to kind of briefly move on to my guy then because I think this is the same argument. Um, obviously, you touched on me earlier on. Thanks for doing that. It was yeah, welcome, it's, a, it's called a segue. Look up. Uh, David Key, as he was known <laughs> um, in Australia. <laughs> in Australia. Um, I've got a couple of Key Sung Young stories for you, but before we get there, um, I think you're right. I think that Joe Ledley and Key Sung Young could be classed as underrated potentially because of the clubs that they moved to after they left Celtic. Because both of them moved to clubs that were way below where they should have actually went to. Um, I, I put Ki Sung Young in the same bracket as a guy like Scott McTominay, uh, who currently swung about midfield for, for Manchester United as their um, 3-0 against Aston Villa. Um, where he, I, I don't think Scott McTominay, if he played for Aston Villa, would be a great player. 
I think if he was in midfield with Stoke or somebody else, I don't think he would be running a mock. But I think he's one of the guys, if you put him in a really good team, he would be a really good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I put Keyson Young in this, despite the fact that he's only have a really good career and, and captained his national team for five or six years to uh, international acclaim, and certainly won trophies with, with, with South Korea even, uh, the reason I put him in my team is because he was never a fixture in Lenny's Celtic team. Um, and I'm surprised at that when I look back on it because, yes, you're right, we did have Joe Ledley, we did have Wanyama, we did have Scott Brown, but I would argue on his day that Kee Sung Young was just as good as any of them. Uh, and his day came in the Bruni two each game at Ibrox in the Scottish Cup uh, in January 2011, I think it was, or January 2011, aye. Um, when Celtic went into 10 men pretty early on, Kee Sung Young just ran a mock. Uh, it was his best performance in a Celtic shirt. Um, and again, under Lenny, he was a guy that would come in and out of the team for a few games, and he was, you know, he was in and about the first team. But I think in any other era, be any other combination of Celtic midfielders that weren't called uh, Murdoch and Old or Wanyama, Brown and, and Ledley, um, Key Sung Young's probably getting into the team. And uh, it was a pity that he played for Celtic when he did, because as I say, I think he would have had a much, uh, much, m- many more appearances for us than he did in his uh, three, four years with the club. Um, two stories about Key Sung Young. Um, I was, I was catfished. Um, when I was a pup by somebody pretending to be Ki Sung Young, um, a guy in a, a guy on Facebook, um, my friend, one of the twins, David, uh, added a, a guy on Facebook who he thought was Ki Sung Young when he first signed for Celtic. And again, I think he signed in two thousand nine. So please bear in mind that this is when Facebook and social media and celebrities online were in their infancy. So. I think uh, David McFarlane thought he was being uh, clever and jumped onto <laughs> Facebook and, and added uh, Key Sung Young on it. So, again, me foolishly, I thought that because he was pals with David on Facebook, that he must be legit. So I added him on Facebook and it turns out that it wasn't. It was just a Korean student living in uh, Australia who was studying English. But what he did, what this guy did is he went with the ruse. <laughs> he went along with it. And changed his profile picture to him signing for Celtic, <laughs> or so we thought. <laughs> Promptly after that, I get a request for the guy for my email address because he apparently David Key, Key Sung Young was doing a night course at a college course. in Glasgow on robotics and like morality and robots, and he wanted me to correct an, an essay for him. Makes sense. Um, I kind of at that point knew that Key Sung Young wasn't he doing an online course at the City of Glasgow College on morality and robots and technology. And I swear this story is true. Um, but I kind of helped the guy anyway because he seemed he seemed nice enough. I thought, apart from the fact he was lying about his uh, his um, identity on the internet to try and get some help with his academic. Uh, academic. Uh, Second story is one I've touched on previously, which is that I once shared a dirty new flight with Key Sung Young um, for London Heathrow to South Korea in November the 4th or 3rd or 4th, 2017. Um, basically, when I ended up the plane, and it was one of the flights where I took a left, if you know what I mean. Um, I went up to the fancy seats, and uh, who's sitting next to me? Young David Key. So he's actually wasn't sitting next to me, he was kind of sitting across from me. Um, but I ended up naturally in conversation with a guy, and he couldn't have been nicer. Um, and so much so that at the end of the flight, he... Wanted well, basically. Yeah, walked number. with me. Number, walked with me uh, all the way to immigration. Thanks for mocking me there. I'm trying to tell you a story in in, faith, in good faith. Two weeks you've been away from me, just in case I never reiterated. Yeah, Sorry for having a life. Um, walked him all the way to immigration, which in Inchon Airport's a good thirty minute walk or twenty five minute walk to get to. And uh, could have been nicer. 
good conversation about Celtic. Um, and weirdly enough, he was raving about Ollie McBurney, um, which in hindsight, you know, I wish I would have really had a word with him on. Oh, yeah. um, but he swore that Ollie McBurney was uh, was going to be a tremendous player because he was at Swansea with him at the time. Um, well, you know, his prediction in that one wasn't exactly right, I don't think. But he did speak glowingly of Celtic. And he, he did speak about not realising how big a club Celtic were until he left. Um, which I've spoke to you about before. It happens to them all, mate. It happens to all of them. And he did uh, sort of say that, you know, playing at Celtic Park was incredible and that the sports sort of science facilities at Celtic were amazing and top-notch and the training pitch was amazing. And then you jump on the bus and go to Hamilton uh-huh. and you're getting changed in a dressing room that's, you know, 13 feet by 15 feet. Just your school, school benches Exactly, and you're out in the pitch, you know, and it's it's the pitch is abysmal, and so I think he was kind of talking about the disparity and, um, you know, in Scottish football in terms of what, what you get when you're a Celtic player compared to you know when you go in the road with Celtic, and I think that's a fair point to, yep. to make, you know, yeah. But as I say, he couldn't have spoken any higher of the club, and he certainly didn't speak with any regret, but he did sort of suggest that you know he maybe didn't understand that he was going into down south and. Um, I thought the move to Newcastle would have worked out for him because I think of other clubs he could have went to doing the area, that would have been one that was maybe similar you know in terms of the, the big stadium big fan base that sort of stuff but it doesn't seem like it's worked out and I think he signed for Mallorca he went to Spain anyway somewhere I am got it the back of my head it's a red strip so you're probably right but um, he'd be devastated to know anyway wouldn't he you know he haven't he moved to Mallorca no. nah, nightmare eh? ah, it is yeah, Mallorca absolutely. you're in Terrible, terrible couple. Oh, right. I love the guy. Hinton's, he's a uh, national team. There you go. That's, that's what I'm I really speak highly enough of him. He told me when I was leaving him at immigration to wear my Celtic shirt to the game um, and come down to the front before kickoff because um, I think he was going to give his tap. I never took him up on that offer um, because taking enough his uh, time up. I, tell you, I felt you know that way. Like when you speak to famous people, you feel like you're just pestering them. Aye. Um, but I was, I definitely wasn't because he was walking with me. I think he's just that famous over there that if he's talking to somebody, he's less likely to be noticed. You know, as the six foot three Korean guy. You know what I mean? My opening gambit to him was because uh, he was playing the next night against, I think it was Serbia at home in a, in a friendly, and uh, we came off a flight and I, well, we we're kind of getting towards the end of the flight, and I sort of said to him, I was like, I don't know how cause this was the Sunday morning, arriving in the Monday morning, playing in the Tuesday night, you'd have been. I say to him, I don't know how you can do these 15-hour flights and then play football the next day. And he kind of looked at me and was like, you need to be like 100% fit. He was like, if I'm 90% or 95%, he's like, I just tell the national team I can't make it because, uh, you know, there's, there's just no point. Yeah. He's like, I need to be absolutely, you know, rolling and, and, you know, match fit before I'm able to do this. And I don't envy him because I can tell you for a fact that the night after that flight, I was in uh, a boozers trying to get myself a good kick on that Tuesday night. But that's, uh, that's a long story. way for a shortcut. And uh, David Key is my, my second underrated player. You're not going to like my next one either. But again, it sure. falls into the... It's it's Neil Lennon, right? Bear with me. Because the amount of times, the amount of games that I used to go to, the amount of times in the pub or watching it growing up or whatever, the amount of abuse that he got for passing it sideways or backwards was unbelievable. The the sheer lack of kind of awareness to his contribution to those teams 
and his his overall organisational contribution is goes largely unnoticed with a ma like a body of the Celtic fans, I believe. And I think as well that they they kind of expect the the guts and glory and the fire and the blood and all that out of him all the time, and that is only a small fraction of his game. People just don't get how good Neil Lennon was at actually just taking it in a tight spot and keeping it. Like, and again, having played around guys like Larson, Hartson, Sutton, Petrov, Lam- uh, Lambert, Thompson, guys that, you know, forward thinking, um, produced big goals, big moments. I think without him, they, they can't work. That, that is, he, is a, he was a massive cog in that machine that just was irreplaceable. We were significantly poorer without Neil Lennon, and his numbers are like it's no goals, it's no assists, and it's not even like tackles. It's that's the thing. He didn't need to tackle people. He was three steps, four steps ahead of people, like just ment- mentally. So cutting balls out. It was the old um, Maldini used to say that if he had to make a tackle, he'd made a mistake. Neil Lennon was the same, exactly the same as that. Where. I, if he had to draw his sleeves up and he'd get close to people, but his game was seeing what was happening and figuring out ways around it and putting the span on people and other teams' works, basically. And I think that that is what makes him underrated. And I know he had a big transfer fee attached to him as well for the time, and he deserved he deserved it because he was worth it. But he, he won't be remembered as like the guy that scored other goals not or even like goalies saving things and defenders. It's just that water carrier guy, you're your side to side shuffling, basically. Like that is essential for that uh, for that side to perform the way it did. And I think that's why he's underrated. Mm-hmm. I, I think I don't think you're wrong there, mate. I think uh, Lenny as a Celtic player was you know at least partially underrated. He had a, a great few initial seasons, but I think maybe the Lennon that played under Strachan, you know, towards the end was maybe off the pace a bit of oh, the game physically. You can tell he always uh, maybe that struggled with his weight, didn't he? So that doesn't help the older you get, like no matter how much you try, it's it's, it's too, sometimes too hard, even for professionals, you know what I mean? Hi, there you go. Lenny. That's not a bad shout. Um okay, my next one. Going Nakamura's right fit. Oh, class. Because I've got Nakamura as my next one and all, so that's killed two birds with one stone. Nakamura's right fit is uh, Mr. Paul Telfer. <laughs> Aye. Uh, once, once declared, uh, genuinely, that's Nakamura in an interview in, uh, in Japanese press um, was, was asked uh, if he was comfortable playing on the right-hand side because he was used to playing through the middle. Uh, and he said, yes, he was. And he was further questioned, how do you play on the right hand side if you're left footed? And Nakamura responded, I don't need a left foot, I have I don't need a right foot, I have Paul Telfer. Um genuinely enjoyed playing alongside the guy. Uh, and it you know, it seemed steady enough uh, for us. He signed for us uh, the week before Nakamura signed and he was just about to turn thirty-four, um, about a month or two after that. He was generally viewed as a stopgap. Um I think it was fair to say at that age. And it had a relatively good career. Um, I think he played for Strachan already under uh, at Southampton. Mm-hmm. But he played for for Coventry and that sort of stuff. Um, good player, solid player, workman like. 
done a job for us. Same as kind of what we spoke about with Hinkle, only except Hinkle was maybe a bit better um, technically. But a guy who came in and, you know, was never really, I guess, at the level we play in the Champions League, but done it Aye. and made it work for us for a couple of seasons. And as I say, formed that really strong partnership with, with Nakamura on the right-hand side where, you know, his defensive capabilities and willingness to just sit back allowed Naka to, you know, to, to, to kind of not really have to worry about defending too much. But mm-hmm. also, when we're playing at home in games against your Dundee Uniteds and Hamiltons, who we maybe had a lot of the ball against, he, he wasn't short of an overlap. Um, he was keen to get Absolutely. up and support. And as I say, when Naka cut inside with that right, with that left fit, he was generally there to, um, to support him on his outside. So uh, I think he was a good player. Um, he only played for his... I think for a couple of seasons, about a season and a half before Wilson signed for us, and I suspect that was Strachan's plan all along, was to maybe either take a look at Caddis or uh, get Wilson in there, but I'd imagine even Caddis would have been too young at that point. Um, so he was he was fine, done a job for us, no no problems, and again, I think he's a guy that was pretty much forgotten um, soon after he left, because as I say, Wilson came in and then Hinkle and then Perrier, Dumbe and these guys, but um, I think he was a good player, and there was a terrific quote Fistracking, talking about Paul Telfer, where he says that the, the two of them are sitting in a sauna, um, uh, not that type of sauna, and he says to him, uh, he was he was rubbing, he said that uh, Telfer was rubbing his hip, and Strachan says to him, when did that happen? And he said, uh, I waited Benfica in the Champions League, he says, and he went quiet for a second, and then Telfer said to me, I never thought I'd utter that sentence in my life. <laughs> and I think that kind of sims up the guy's sort of attitude towards playing for Celtic because um, he came up here basically in the twilight of his career, gave a great account of himself and, and done things that he otherwise would never have uh, uh-huh. done in his career and had to accomplish by then. So I think he's a, he's a, he's a guy who was thoroughly underrated. I totally agree with that. I always remember him being quite, uh, well, just industrious, that's the word. Yeah, they would. Aye, aye. He was fit. Worked hard, ran hard. Exactly. Don't try anything new. Can you do? I tell me, you've not got Nakamura on your underrated list. Uh, again, it was for similar reasons as uh, Ki Sung Young, to be honest. In that he was just moaned. He was going like you ask people run about our dad's age. They don't like Nakamura because he didn't like a tackle, and that's that does matter nothing. But I've also got two players in the last place, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over because we can, we could do it full full episode on Nakamura one day and I think we probably should. Mm. Um so, so is, is he on the list or is he no on the list? Nah he's no made this he's no made the cut this time. I think that's fair. That is fair. Okay. Um is it me or you then? Uh, I'll go I'm gonna go with a midfield pairing. I'm just gonna because I kinda have one with the other. Mm-hmm. Uh Paul Hartley and Barry Robson. There you go. So Two good players. The boys, uh, if, if any of the boys in one of my group chats listens to this, they're going to know that my love for Barry Robson is pure and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mate, I, see if I had a, a left foot like that. <sighs> Unbelievable, mate. I can't believe that he played for Dundee and teams like that for as long as he did and he, he was never picked up. The only reason I can think of it, he was never picked up for any better was that he didn't have much pace about him. Um, quite a quiet he, guy as well, wasn't he? Quite shy. Ah, uh, well, he captained. He captained what? Dundee and Celtic and uh, Aberdeen as well, didn't he, when he left us? 
Sure he did. He could have done, mate. Aye, he might have done. Aye, just from coming off the bench and scoring his first touch, that free kick it went under the wall. Scrum I told you that one. That was, aye. Um, and uh, as well, that flying elbow of Christian Daly, about 14 seconds into that old firm game, man, that's that cemented him for me. That's, he's the kind of guy you want in, it, in the trenches. That is often posted on Twitter and it receives many tweets and many likes, but it's not for me, mate. I don't know why, I've just, I've just never, I don't know, I've just, I can understand it, like, you know, the, the team are mince, you know, he's been signed, but we need to win that game, to be in with a chance of winning the title, <laughs> um, the, the famous line before, and I can yeah. polished one off, but I just, I don't know, mate, just, he was lucky not to get sent off as a bottom line league, and, it, you know, I can understand his enthusiasm, and he didn't get sent off, he got away with it, and he planted one on Christian Daly, who, at all opportunities, people should take one, to plant one on Christmas daily, uh, Christmas daily, right. Christian daily. Um, but I don't know, mate. I'm, I don't. I don't enjoy, Basically, what I'm trying to say is, I don't enjoy that moment as much as I always do. Anyway, like, well, we talked to you wasn't it, about that one moment because he scored against Barcelona. I don't know what a header that was. I mean, aye, aye, and he smashed that penalty down the middle as well. And against Rangers was ballsy. I just liked the guy, man. He was, he was, good player. Aye, great player. And but you would see he's about six months, didn't he? I. Was, he barely got a chance to like, he had done that one season. full season and aye. then maybe a basically aye. but that's all I needed it was um, Stracken I listened to Graham Hunter's podcast a while ago uh-huh. um, with Stracken and other podcasts with Barry Robson and uh, Paul Hartley and they all tell the same story like Hartley and Robson wouldn't play the midweeks away to Hamilton and all that they'd play or the weekend away at Hamilton, they'd play Barcelona away, and they'd play. He knew that the two of them were a safe pair of hands, a couple of wise old heads that maybe you can't play them two games a week. You, you get 90 minutes, 90 right good hard minutes out of them um, when you really need them. So they played against Rangers, they played the Champions League game, and I think that kind of gets forgotten a, a wee bit because, again, they were only fancy, they were only flash, they were just grafters, right good grafters, but they were technical as well. Um, Hartley scored that crack goal against uh, Moscow as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, that header as well, and then he scored another couple as well. But I know another guy that's captain pretty much every team that he played for. So I, I think the two of them kind of went under the radar a wee bit, but and that's maybe because they played what a season and a half together. I, I don't. I think you're right. I think, I think when I look back on it, I think Hartley's. Celtic career was maybe slightly longer. Aye, he, he maybe stayed for the rest of the season. Aye. Aye. But I think they were unlucky because, you know, obviously the, the summer before um, Robson signed for us, we signed Donati. Um, yep. and, and Donati was a good enough player for us. He was he was okay, but it never really worked out, I think, the way that we'd, we'd sort of hoped. No. Um, and it's one of the things where... Uh, our season was crumbling, you know, and then that, then Robson goes into the team, you know, and it just all of a sudden, it's, it's the word that everybody at the time, the inward for that half season was dig, right. wasn't it? Everybody was like, team needs a bit of dig. Right. And that's what they two done. They just came in and solidified a central midfield that was quite lightweight and we all due respect to Scott Brown, he wasn't the player then that he is now um, by any stretch of the imagination and had just really signed for us. So you couldn't really have asked that from him. Um, I don't think so. It was kind of one of these things where we, the two of them, came in and, and, and made the best of the situation. Um, 
and I, I think I think when I look back on it, they were they were good players, and I I think you're right. I think they were underrated because they weren't really given an opportunity to press on, you know, and sort of solidify themselves within the space of a couple of seasons, you know. I, I think they were maybe a season or two late in getting them. I would have liked to go hold of them maybe two seasons or at least one beforehand as well. That would have been that would have been great getting our season because mm-hmm. they were what wrong side of thirty probably by that time. Uh, I think one was thirty, one was thirty-one. Uh, but you, you probably, you maybe if you've done your homework, then you've done your Okay, right. Well, um, only pressure on me then to get to, but I guess I can. I guess there is a common thread here um, with these two. Uh, actually, but I think about it, more things that are quite a lot in common. I'll, I'll move through them quite quickly. Um, the first one is Johnny Hayes. Johnny, Johnny Hayes. Johnny Hayes gets snash after Celtic fans like or he did get snatched after Celtic fans like just constantly. It was just like incessant whenever he came on it was always a sort of oh he'll do a job, he'll do a job. But I think Johnny Hayes could do more for a job more than a job for Celtic. Um I don't think he was a guy that just came in and played at left back and played at left wing and did a job. I think he was actually quite a good performer for us and there was a lot of times last season where I would have preferred to have seen Johnny Hayes play than Bolongoli. Um, and, and if you asked me just now which one would I rather see leave the club on a free this summer, I would choose Bolongoli. Um, because Johnny Hayes was a safe pair of hands, as you mentioned earlier on, and he was often a, a good performer for us. Um, so the fact that the club have chose to let him go on a free, I find quite weird. Um, and again, I think he was a guy, who, you know, speaking to my, my cousin about it when we played, I think it was Copenhagen away. Um, and I can't remember, it might not have been, but basically it was a big game that Johnny Hayes started, and I was sort of saying, oh, good, I'm glad to see Hayes starting. And he was like, what? <laughs> Why would you be <laughs> happy to see that? You know, like, who the hell wants Hayes to start when we get Bolly or Taylor or whoever it would be? And I was just thinking to myself, like, man, I'm, 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 I'm the only one that thinks this guy's a, a player. So... Um, I don't know what the deal was, mate. I don't know why some sections of the series report thought he was such a limited player. I didn't think that at all. And I'm sure there'd be people listening to this just now going, he was mince, you know, what are you talking about? Um, I liked how Lennon used him, and I think Lennon used him well. I think it was, you know, he's a guy that could play every third game for you, but really should be coming off the bench for half an hour um, and, and, and playing well for you, um, which he did. Another guy, Arthur Park, who was absolutely fine, never an issue. Likes his trainees, likes eating steaks, <laughs> likes playing these wains. You know, can he have enough guys like that at the club? And um, I don't know. I'm, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm sad to see him go. Merely anything. Um, and the the second one is another uh, Irish left winger, uh, Niall McGinn. Really? Yes, I think Niall McGinn was. I think Niall McGinn had he been given a run of games would have proven to be more of a success at Celtic. And, uh, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying it was, it was a nail on, like, a, a, you know, it was a nailed on success. But I think Niall McGinn was actually relatively successful. You look at his stats, he was a guy who, when he played, he produced for Celtic. And he just never got a chance. He never got a run of games. Now, I can see why, because he's coming at a time when, when James Forrest is, is playing at right wing. Um, but he's had a good career at Aberdeen. He's been their best player, you know, for four or five of the last ten seasons. And, you know, he's a guy that just never really got much of an opportunity at Celtic. And I was disappointed with that. And, again, 
I think we took him pretty much in his prime and just wasted him for a few years. And I think uh, had he been given a, an opportunity, um, and as I say, 10, 15 games, I don't think he would have proven to be a bad signing at all. Um, and I think that his subsequent moves elsewhere have, have sort of proven that he is a good winger in the SPL. I agree with that last sentence. He is a good winger saying, in the SPL. I just don't... I'm not suggesting that Niall McGinn's going to... But, I mean, we play in the SPL. I mean, for everybody else in the SPL, mate, I, I kind of set us apart. I look for us to be competing with people in on a European stage because... That's that's where we should be aspiring to. That's that's what we need to look at. And I don't at. disagree. But and I, I think guys like Niall McGinn, El Unesi, aye, I think guys like El Unesi and Forrest, they they two guys do that. They make you better players in Europe. They increase the the quality of of the starting eleven. But not every player is going to do that. And I think that there's definitely a role to play for efficient, hardworking, good quality squad players who can play these games in Scotland. And I think that. McGinn would have done that role for us had he been offered the opportunity, not just by Mowbray, but by um, or by Strachan, but by uh, by Lennon as well. And um, nobody took a chance on him, so there must have been something there, you know, that he wasn't doing in training or what no, because no manager took a chance on him. Um, a lot of gave time, him a games, you know, a lot of time as well. You get guys coming who are standouts from other teams, or they go on to be standouts at other teams, and it's a it's a pressure thing. Where they go to clubs and they just feel like they can relax, and if they don't win, eh, they don't win. It's no big deal. They're not expected to. Whereas if you do anything wrong at Celtic, you know about it immediately, and if you don't win, it is catastrophe. And I just think that a lot of guys, that's not in their character. That's not the type of player and the type of person that they are. And I think maybe just looking at it, that's again, he was young when he signed for his. He was only about twenty-two or something. So, and he hadn't had to develop that. He never came through at a, such a demanding club. So, I can understand why he was maybe caught in the, like deer in the headlights a wee bit and afraid mm-hmm. to do stuff that he would not be afraid to do at Aberdeen. Same as um, Gary McKay Stephen, I think. I think it's exactly the same thing happened with him. Like, his he's YouTube highlight when he plays for Dundee and Aberdeen is frightening. He's doing all sorts of mad tricks, but you know. Never tried any of the same sort of stuff when he played at Celtic. Everyone was maybe a bit too safe. You didn't want to safe and, have yeah. something to come off wrong, and then it gets pelters for the for the fans. And it's I think that's just it's the thing about the position that they put you to them play as well. That's one of those things that you need to take. You need to be able to be brave enough to take risks. And I yeah. just think that's maybe what happened to him. But well, I, I agree with what you're saying. His Aberdeen career was brilliant, unbelievable. Uh, there's a there's a wee tidbit of information here I'll finish showing go on mystery polish up a top five. Um seeing as this is the Key Sung Young show. It is, um, um in two thousand seventeen, um Niall McGinn signed for Guangzhou FC uh, in the K League um because of a recommendation from Key Sung Young to his father, Key Young Ok, who was a director of football at Guangzhou. Class. Niall McGinn done four months out there. <laughs> Four months out there. Lasted longer yeah, than he, he pretty much done the same amount of time I did. Uh, he went in July and came back in uh, in November. I went in August and came back in December. <laughs> so we done literally four months out in Korea um, each. I did reach out to him when I was earlier and asked him if he wanted to join the Seoul Celtic Supporters Club for a, for, a, for the Rangers game in September 2017. But funny enough, I got back to me. Should I have a spare room, fuck's sake? 
Nah, Amazon Soul, he was in Guangzhou. Oh, Trust me, he'd have wanted to stay in mind, mate. He would have definitely wanted to stay in mind if he'd seen that gaff I had. Oh, um, but, I did. But again, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a story for another day. Good. Uh, right. Banter years? Yes. Let's wrap Moment up. Moment of the week. Let's do it. Now, we should, we should say that um, this is the second segment of the Banter years Moment of the Week, right? Um, but I think a third segment could be quite special if we can if we can pull it off. We have sought agreement from um, an acquaintance um, who may or may not have been involved in a recent um, Banter Years classic moment, and uh, we're going to seek. Uh, I'm really careful how I say this. We're going to see if it's possible for him to visit us next week. Um, I will have him on. I'll see if we can get him on. And a strictly to, to discuss strictly fictional events no. that may or may not have Springs taken place. Might have happened. Allegedly. Um, <sighs> but this week's banter years moment of the week. Um, do you want to start? Uh, no, you go first. Okay. Seventh of April, two thousand fourteen. Oh, good. Mine's just after that, so that's good. Now you touched on this exact game a few weeks later. Aye, okay, on you go. Uh, that was the day that Rangers were defeated by Rathrows <laughs> <laughs> after extra time uh, in the Ramsden's Cup final. Mm-hmm. Um, a mere six hours later, Alan McCoist is caught on camera doing karaoke. <laughs> he sang <laughs> Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell and danced in the dark by Bruce Springsteen. He still had his club suit on, didn't he? He didn't do that. <laughs> It'd have been better if he did tire in the heat. It would have been. <laughs> uh, that was a good gene, man. And there's that really grainy photograph of him in there. Yep. It's a stinker, man. It's taken on a 2003 flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, that, is that you? That's me, mate. Mine's a bit more in depth than that, but it's, it deserves it. Oh. It deserves okay. it. There's a bit of storytelling to be had here. Is it? Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to take you to Saturday, the twenty first of May, two thousand sixteen. Okay, it's a big day. Oh, are you? Really? Aye. Is that is this a, is this a banner years moment? Aye, mate. Because there's so much okay. attached to it. That was a that was a good day. So it's the Scottish Cup final. We've got Hibs <laughs> and. At Hamden. Um, <laughs> it, I was watched eagerly by a lot of Celtic fans, I would imagine. Not just because it's Rangers, but because there was Celtic connections literally all through that website. You had I think uh, just just before for doing the pre-match stuff, yeah. uh, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but this was the day that I watched in my cousin's house. So it was a beautiful Saturday. Oh, it was glorious. Tony Stokes, Tony Stokes went on to the... Um, the coverage of that before, like the pre-match coverage, and denounced Ronnie Dyer like a clown for playing one up front against <laughs> Hamilton at home. Um, not that he was salty, but uh, aye, there you go. Aye. Uh, so, uh, your hip side littered with Celtic talent, as well as your management. So Stubbsy, manager. You had uh, Henderson, who was on loan from his at the time. McGee, mm-hmm. who had been signed from us. Um, Tenuous link, but still there. Uh, Begin, who's diehard supporter and his family are part of the history of the club. And Tony Stokes is also on loan from us at the moment. So at that time. And Wotherspoon. And, and he's a play for us. That's right, Wotherspoon, right. 
Uh, and interestingly as well, you've got your man coming through and on to actually play for, for Rangers. You played yeah. as well. Uh, so, <laughs> I think I remember it was near for the semi-final. They got that, they pulled that Conrad Logan goalie out of thin air. Big giant fat guy, man. Big Irish fat guy. And he was frightening. <laughs> he was so good. Um, I, so, he was some shortstop or they get man a match in the semi-final against Dundee. Uh, but United. I remember we were talking about uh, we were talking about Robson getting about six months at him. Yeah, I, I think Hibs got about six weeks at him. Mate, before he played, before he went back in the drink, like. He played two games for Hibs: the semi-final and the final of the Scottish Cup. That, <laughs> that is it. <laughs> uh, by the way, that man will never have to buy a pint again. No, like, no, that's it. He's no, played no, up in the eighty minutes of football, no. and he will never have to buy a drink again if he doesn't want to. Brilliant man, that's incredible. So they had that big fat goalie, one of the Celtic players. Hitting around the team, Stokes scored arguably one of the easiest goals of his career. If you what, if you remember the Stokes' goal, the first goal, it's a ball, it's a ball played down the channel, and then nobody goes anywhere near him. And Big Fotheringham's positioning is horrific, and he just pots it under the pressure at the faraway corner. <laughs> so Tony good. Stokes could have easily been on the top five underrated list. He could have. I, mean, I think back on it, he, he, he Tommy, probably Tommy Johnson probably should have made way for Tony Stokes Aye. because. That guy had more ability and he's big toe than almost any other Celtic player on that squad. And that was a good Celtic squad. Technically, one of the best football players I've ever seen. And by the way, if anybody watched that game and thought that James Tavernier was a right-back then oh, and is a right-back now, forget about it, mate. He was taking scalps that day, Stokes. It was unbelievable. ruined him. Yeah, he rinsed him. It was unbelievable, man. No, he did was hang out wide and just mm-hmm. he, let, he dragged him out and then just let... McGinn and uh, Cummings play that ball in between him and the centre back, and it, it's time and time again. Never get wise to it, idiot. Uh, so then, aye, back to the game. Ken Miller equalises. Uh, Stokes, it was, like aye, it was a cracker, man. Stokes uh, hits the post for long range after that, man. Some strike. Miller hits the bar again for the header for the corner. And then Andy Hardy did score an absolute screamer. It was a bit tough. How it's a aye, cracker. I mean, one of the ones that hits the inside net and going across the goalie, you're like, aye, all right, fair enough. Um, and then I've got one, two, three. I've got like five words for each of the next two goals. Hendo, yeah, Hendo corner, Stokes heed, goal. Next goal. Yes, the famous, uh, <laughs> the famous commentary line that Hibs fans all hang with it. Henderson to deliver. I think it is. That's yep. a bit of goal whenever. Henderson to deliver, aye. And then in the eye, Hendo corner, grey heat, goal. Some singer, some finish. <laughs> uh, and it's the aftermath as well, man. The the, the birth of the grass. <laughs> Everything else that goes with it. The pitch invasion. They get assaulted, remember? The poor boys, they get assaulted. Right. Ooh. Uh, and just, it was on my eye, frightening me. They thought they were going to win. They really thought they were going to win. As soon as Andy Hardy, Rangers, born and bred, He's the local lad. <laughs> He's the Rangers lad. And then fucking up steps Hendo and Tony Stokes to say no. Bad. Beautiful day. It was someday, man. Yeah. It was gorgeous, man. And as I say, like, just sitting getting a couple of beers on the couch watching that unfold. I loved him. Brighton, absolute. That's right, yeah. The guy downstairs for me was uh, one of the bad guys and I could hear him absolutely trundling up and down his flat throwing things about all sorts it was fucking brilliant <laughs> <laughs> so good but as well there was a guy across the road to me that was 
obviously one of us. He needed his window open, so every time that anything happened, he could hear the two of us that were shouting back and forth to each other almost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someday, uh, and then, uh, that, that is, I'm surprised you went for that because uh, that's a that's it, a big, big one. Like, it's more the same connection that goes right through that team, mate. It was a pseudo Celtic side. That's like going to Cherubi Freaking and going right for the chicken curry. Aye. You know what I mean? You're not having any spring rolls, well, you're not having any chips, you're not any starters. I'm going through it kind of chronologically. So we've got another four whole years of this, mate. And I don't know. I think, personally, I think the Burnley years started about five or six years before then. Oh, it definitely did, but I'm just... Can I sneak in what I believe is the beginning of the Burnley years? Because I feel like it's important to establish parameters. I'm, I'm going For me, personally, you don't need to adhere to them. I'm, I'm telling you. Like, can I... Right, go on then. For me personally, and again, you don't need to adhere to this for, for this segment, absolutely not. But for me, the banter years started with the Nikita Yelovic interview that took place in November 2011 when Rangers were 16 points clear and they, de- and they declared the league title over. <laughs> October 2011. You know the headline I'm talking about, Aye. didn't you? Yelovic, it's a done deal. The league's finished or something like Aye. that. Cue a capitulation that saw Rangers drop 40 points <laughs> for the rest of the season and Celtic win the league by 16 points. Rangers end the season in administration and uh, are ultimately liquidated in the playing the following season uh, as a new coat against Aloha. Same, so for me, I think that's the, uh, that's the, for me, that's the moment when the banter years began. Brilliant. Right, that's good. Fair assumption. I guess that's the moment where this episode ends. And that's the moment this ends. It's uh, It's been a bit too long, but that's because Rab has been here for two weeks. I have to catch up with. I told you to talk about But again, hopefully we'll see you next week. Fingers um, crossed that. It should be late. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I'll just that when I, I, wanted to, I wanted to have a go at you about this, right? But I know you can edit it out. So I thought to myself, if I just litter the entire episode with digs about the two-week gap... Then I'm safe. Aye, well, we'll see how the edit goes. <laughs> right, well, thanks very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you hopefully next Tuesday. Aye, nice one. See you later on. Bye.